Welcome to the Head of Nations podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Ben. Well, Ben, this has been a long time in coming, huh? Yes, sure has. Yeah. Yeah. So we are glad to finally be getting this off the ground. And this is the Head of Nations. And you might be asking yourself, like, what is the Head of Nations? So the Head of Nations is a movement that's dedicated to promoting the idea that it's okay to be a masculine Christian man. In fact, not only is it okay that it's expected. So I just want to give a little bit of background on my end as far as what brought me to here. So back in the day when I was a young Christian man in my teens, um, the experience I had in churches was that to be a Christian, you had to be overly emotional you couldn't be a stoic Christian man. You had to cry. You had to be weepy. You had to be very, what I would call weak. It was called meek, but to me, it really just came off as weak. And so I didn't really have much of an experience of seeing a masculine Christian man. And a lot of what I heard in churches was that to be masculine was to be anything but Christian. And Jesus was preached as more of a, a weak man as opposed to a meek man. And there's a difference. And so, like, I was really turned off by that. You know, to me, as a young man looking for role models, what I saw in the church was that almost to be a young man, I needed to be a woman. And that didn't seem to line up with what I felt was right. I didn't know why that was right. But to me, it just didn't feel like it was right. So that was the beginning of my experience of looking for something more where it was taught to me that it was okay to both be masculine and Christian. So I was just curious, Ben, what your experience was early on with Christian men. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks, Brian, um, for giving me this opportunity uh, on this platform to talk about something that um, that I, I too am, am thinking about and, and even passionate about. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, um, growing up, um, I don't think that my parents necessarily, um, talked about this, um, you know, what it means to be a man. Uh, my dad, uh, was not, not quiet. Um, but he didn't, I think based on his background, um, his dad never really talked about this, um, you know, what it meant to be a man. It was something that was just kind of absorbed. Um, and so I think that's that's how my dad was brought up um, uh, without much, you know, teaching or much, you know, there was an example that was lived out, but it wasn't really um, intentional. And I think that's what my dad learned. And, and so um, there was not an intentional, um, necessarily an in, in, in intentional teaching of what it meant to be a man, um, and, and specifically in, in our, um, in our focus going to be, um, what, what a man of God looks like. And so I'll, um, just give a little background of my church. My church uh, did have, um, uh, you know, we had, uh, I had some examples, but it was, um, very much still, um, a, a lot of old men, but, um, old traditional men, um, but, that were also not necessarily the, the intentional types. And so, um, I didn't see weak men, but I saw more passive men, uh, as, as examples, um, that, that did what they were kind of did what they were told. Um, 
and did what, you know, the right thing, um, though, you know, what was what was the right thing and what was my responsibility as a young man, um, that was never, uh, never really taught to me. And so I just kind of... Um, what I absorbed what was around me. And so in, in those days, what was around me was, you know, was, I, I was an athlete. So I absorbed the athletic culture around me, um, without much extra thinking other than, well, I wanted to look good. I wanted to, you know, um, I, I wanted to achieve some sort of some athletic accomplishments, but I also wanted to have everything else that went along with that, which, you know, just led by feelings and, uh, and hormones, you know, led to, um, led to indulging in the flesh and, you know, in my high school days. So I, I didn't really consider this question at all. And I wish that I would have had, you know, people talking to me about it, um, earlier, sooner, uh, would have saved me a lot of trouble. <laughs> but that's a little <laughs> bit of my background. Sorry, Brian. Well, I appreciate you, uh, sharing that. And, um, yeah, I think I went down a similar road, which we may get into in other episodes as I got older and was kind of trying to find that, you know, what every young man is looking for of like, what does it mean to be a man? And I think it's complicated enough already, but it becomes more complicated when you're asking like, how can I be a godly man? Um, so for me, uh, the first time I really ever think I saw this lived out was he was a teacher at a school I went to and he was a former power lifter and uh, like a semi-pro athlete uh, who had potential to go pro um, but he gave that up to actually become a pastor. So he had that masculine side, but he also had that godly side. Uh, but I didn't really see very many other examples of that. And so, you know, I became disenchanted with uh, the church, really, which to me seemed just not to suit masculine men at all. Um, and, you know, I was dedicated. I was disciplined. I read my Bible. I went to church, you know, despite feeling discontented because I recognized that the truth is the truth. And that, you know, there has to be some balance that I'm going to find at some point. But as I began reading the scriptures, you know, I found some Bible passages that just really were rife in a good way with masculinity. Like I could feel the testosterone in the passages. And, you know, it, it really impacted me because I began to see that, you know, it's, it's not just this isolated incident, but I began seeing over and over again that there are these examples of men who are called by God to lead, who are godly, but are also very masculine. And one of the passages that really impacted me greatly was Psalm 18. And this is a Psalm of David. And this Psalm talks about not just God being in his life, but God helping him experience conquest. It's like his victory song over his enemies, which maybe someday we'll do a breakdown of Psalm 18. But for now, uh, this is where the name of this movement, the name of this podcast comes from is Psalm 18, verse 43. And I'm going to grab my Bible here. So you'll probably hear the rustling over the microphone, but I actually like that when I hear that on podcasts. So this is Psalm 18, 43. And it says, you have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I did not know are subject to me. So David experienced conquest. He was victorious in conquest through God. And God established him through warfare, in this case, as a leader of nations. Now, I'm not saying we're all called to warfare, but 
I'm saying in this case, David, a very masculine man, was also a man of God. He's called the man after God's own heart. And he makes no bones about the warfare he experienced here. And he gives God the glory for his victory. And he says, through God, he was made the head of nations. So, you know, I kind of latched onto that, both the masculinity in that passage, but also this concept of the head of nations and that as men, we're called to lead. And God gives us each our own nations, if you will, our own areas of dominion where we're called to step up as men and be masculine and godly. And so as a head of nations, we report to God under him and we have dominion through him over those nations. And so that really impacted me deeply. Like, I'm not just a guy. I'm not just a guy who's experiencing life. I'm a man who's called to be the head of the nations God has put me over. So I just wanted to see what you thought about that, because we kind of talked about this a little bit before, but wanted some feedback on your part. Yeah. Um, David, as a, I mean, as a character, is... I mean, Hold up real quick. Don't uh, spill the beans too much on David. We've got a uh, series coming up later on David the man, so keep it light. David himself, though, as, as a person... Um, and being a being a warrior poet, and not to step on John Lovell. uh, John Lovell's uh, take his you know whatever, but um, to me um, is a glimpse of a of a full man, a full picture of a man. Um, at his very best, he looks like you know what a, what man I think was created to be. And so when I think of when I think of David and I think of the Psalms and how he's um, how he's reflecting, how he's sharing, he's very emotional. Yet, um, in in that emotion, I think there is that kind of meekness. And you know, he's he is a man who is well. He in, inflicts wounds, you know, on others, but he's also he's a he's a man who's wounded as well. So he is a very emotional man, and he shares it in his writing. Um, yet he is he's fierce, and it reminds me actually of um, it reminds me of Lancelot as he's described. Um, uh, C.S. Lewis wrote uh, something about this uh, in in one of his es- the essays. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. I should I should have had that book, Brian. Oh, dang it, it's all good. Yeah, but um, uh, he says he was the meekest man. Um, yet he was the fiercest man. So he was mm-hmm. meek, like you know, in in the banquet he'd laugh and he'd you know he'd almost be in a way like like he was described as kind of kind of like childish even you know. But then on the battlefield, like you just didn't want to face him. He was just that guy that he was he just he was terrifying um and and so i think of like you know you have this strong and meekness um in what i think is i think is the is is how we were made we were made for that we're made as um there's a there's another man richard phillips um who wrote the masculine mandate and uh he he calls us gardeners um yet we're we're to guard um garden and we are to keep the, the garden. So we are gardeners and protectors. And it's a, we have both this sensitive, you know, the, our hands are, are sensitive, you know, um, our, our tools even, you know, to be used uh, for, for tenderness, to, you know, to, to raise up our children, um, you know, to, sh- to be sensitive with them. Yet um, when the time comes to, to, be, to be hardened for war, which I think is a psalm somewhere. Mm, yes. You know, you know that one. <laughs> yes, I do. But um, but yeah, that when I think of of that psalm, um, and I think of it being being a head of nations, being something that God has, you know, He put David in that place, and He just just like David, He puts us um, over over the, the nations of, of our lives. The so um, so I, I do think of 
of myself as that. Um, yet, you know, then I think of, if I think of King, I think of Jesus. And so, mm. um, that does take me back to, uh, back to him ultimately and want to reflect him in my home or in my, you know, in my career, uh, wherever he has placed me. But, uh, yeah, thank you for that. That, that is, a uh, hugely important and, and encouraging even. Absolutely. So now this brings me to the movement, right? So we recognize that we're called to be masculine men and we're also called to be godly men. And I don't know what your thoughts are, but the more I mature, the more I grow, the more I have recognized what I would call a crisis of masculinity in our culture. And, you know, I can't speak to other cultures, but I can speak to the culture I'm in because I know it because I'm experiencing it. And I really see this as uh, almost defining our age right now. And we're reaping uh, what we've sown as far as that's concerned. But like we live in a culture where we really can't even define as a culture what is a man. Like that fundamental definition, which 20 years ago, 30 years ago would have almost been laughable to struggle with. Now our culture seems to not even be able to come up with a rational answer to. And society as a whole discourages masculinity. Uh, you know, we hear terms like toxic masculinity tossed around, uh, not in the proper context, but in the context of if you do things that are traditionally masculine, that's toxic, right? Um, young guys seem to be confused. I actually, you know, feel compassion for them. I feel bad for them. They seem to be confused as to how to navigate the world as a young man today. Um, and there really just seems to be a lack of direction uh, in young men today that I see. And so like this really is what's motivating me because we're supposed to, as men, be stewards of what we've been given. And if we're called to lead, we're called to lead the next generation. And you know, I want to leave a world that's a better place for the next generation, not a world that's a worse place. So you know, part of this movement is reaching out to young men or quite frankly, men of all ages that either are struggling to define like, where, where's my role here, uh, but also you know, to motivate one another to be better men. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on the crisis of masculinity or what would you call it? Is that how you would define it? I might say something like that. I mean, you know, it is a crisis of, I I believe it to be, you know, not, not only a crisis of masculinity. I think it's, it's a human in the West, at least. I think we've got this kind of confused or maybe there's a sort of amnesia. We've forgotten what it means to be human. Um, which is going to be really terrible, I think, for society, um, you know, for our families and so for society. And so um, when I think of, you know, because we're, we're focusing on, on masculinity, um, I think that in this, in this society, um, we are going to pay for not clearly defining what, what it means to be man, uh, like, like a man, because I think whenever there's confusion there what takes place with it there's i mean it will you know we don't exist if this if i'm using this correctly uh, we we don't exist in a vacuum am i am i right yeah, in saying that, this yeah that's how i view the world um, that's how i would define it, it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i think that um that if something if we don't if we're not actively this might not make sense brian so you might have to cut this out but if we're not actively becoming or or or, or living as a as a as a man, a clearly defined man, then what is going to take over is the is the sinful self, and so um, I think that what you know what what 
men will end up doing is we're is being motivated by something and i think that you know when i think of human relationships they're going to be motivated by sex and so they're going to um figure out what they need to do to to you know essentially um to keep having consistent you know mm-hmm. s- s- consistent sex with an individual that individual will um if that individual doesn't have a clear understanding of what it means to be a female, she's just going to absorb the cultural norm. And so mm-hmm. absorbing the cultural norm of, the, of you know, the female, it's yeah. going to be then, you know, okay, so we have a male who's not clear of what it means to be a male, and then we have a female who's dom- trying to dominate the male. And that male, in order to keep, you know, pleasuring himself, is just going to go along with it. And so when you get into that relationship, that relationship is going to eventually fail because you're going to have an apathetic male mm-hmm. and a female who's trying to assert her dominance. You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to this in coming episodes, this concept of passivity, which is where I think that's leading. But like, I see what you're saying is almost like the Romans one, where it's like, the decline where man rejects God and then man replaces himself as God. And then man declines into further and further and further darkness until really, if you look at Romans one, society essentially just crumbles. And I think we're in that spiral right now of this crumbling of society because society's rejecting God. And because society's rejecting God and God's definitions, they're replacing their definitions with that. So they're like, I can define what man is. I can define what woman is. I can define what the interaction should be. And it doesn't work that way. Uh, You know, the Bible says, sow the wind, reap the whirlwind, right? So I think we're in that reaping the whirlwind right now. So to me, that's why it's important. And that's why we're calling on the men out there that are listening to this to join with us. Our goal is to partner with men from all around the globe to form a community of men who are dedicated to continuing the journey of biblical masculinity, Emphasis on biblical and emphasis on masculinity, both. So, you know, whether you're a squared away guy and you've got this all locked down or whether you've got a lot of growing to do, you know, we'd like you to be a part of this movement. So to put that in perspective, like this movement of head of nations of men who are pursuing greatness and godliness, you know, I want to just talk about what are my nations. So I had to think through this. Like if I'm I'm the head of nations that are put under me, you know, God is over me. And then I am called to be the keeper of my nations. What are my nations? So like for me specifically, like what am I called to lead as a man in? Well, first and foremost, I think I'm called to lead in my family that God's given me, right? That's one of my nations. I have dominion over that. And we're going to have an episode in the coming days on dominion, uh, that biblical principle. Um, I am also the head of the nation of work that I've been put over, the responsibilities that I've been entrusted with, right? I'm called to lead those and I'm called to lead them in a way that's pleasing to God right? Church responsibilities that I have, that's another one of my nations. Businesses that I'm involved in, another one of my nations. My property that I own, right? I'm called to exercise dominion over that and to work that in a way that would be both productive and pleasing to God. Um, And myself, right? And I think this is one where we drop the ball a lot as guys, right? Where we don't lead ourselves. How can we lead other people if we can't lead ourselves? So, you know, that's, several of the nations um, and then also people that God allows me to help those that I've been called to reach out to or that have been brought under my care they're part of my nations as well so like when it comes to me I've got family work church business property self and then those I'm called to minister to and those are just some of the nations that I've thought through right and so what are some nations that you can think through Ben that you have dominion over 
Brian, I feel like I'm just going to repeat yours. I mean, like, you, you know, you, when you think of stealing my answers, yeah, I feel like that's yeah, cheating. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, but it is that, you know, it's, it's the family, it's the, those who, um, who you've, you've been placed under, but that, or you've been placed over, but I, th- I do think of like, you know, whenever I think of, of the, the head of nations and I think of you know, the things that God has put me, you know, put in my life for me to, to steward, um, first of all, I'm like humbled by it. But second of all, I'm like, man, I'm kind of scared that I'm going to, I'm going to screw something up. You know, I'm, you know, I'm confronted with my own, you know, uh, my own shortcomings. Uh, and you know, there's, there's pride in there, but there's also, you know, insecurities in there. There's, I'm just a, I'm just one man in there. So I'm limited. So, um, so this is like something that is as it, it, you know, it's something that I'm called to, but it's not something that I've entered that you enter into lightly. Um, it's something that, yeah, that, that by God's grace, um, I think that, and that's what I think David understood that it was all, it was whenever he took control, you know, it was just like, oh man, that's a train wreck. But, but it was by when, when he was living by his strength, you know, kind of being nourished by, um, by God, I think that is, that is going to make us into men who are, who are capable and worthy of that, of that calling. But yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that, especially, you know, with the responsibility side and that can weigh on you, but ultimately you are under God's dominion, right? And so you don't bear that responsibility alone, but you do bear that responsibility. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're going to unpack David. I, I maybe like a few more episodes in, but I have this plotted out. Yeah. But I think it's really intriguing to look at his example of living as a godly man. And he gives credit where credit is due, right? And when he writes the Psalms, he brings praise to God for the way that God has helped him lead. Yeah. So gentlemen, this is something I want you guys to think through as you're listening. You know, what are your nations and what can you do to lead them more effectively? Uh, And that's what we'll be talking about in the coming episodes. We're going to parse this out in little details as far as different topics where we can become more effective at leading, um, at leading others, at leading ourselves, and really just at exercising what I would say would be excellence as we rule the nations that God has given under our dominion. So that's the episode for today. Um, If you would like to support the show, uh, you can subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're on. You can leave a review. Um, You can also go to headofnations.com and you can check out the website there if you'd like to support. Um, We will have a shop opening up soon with some merchandise. Uh, We're still working on that, but you can check out the webpage um, and you can also spread the word. But we really appreciate you listening and I'm really excited to see where we go from here. And I want you to remember that we are the head of our nations, so let's rule them well. Until next time.